But I'd say the health systems that we're working with see the writing on the wall and that if they don't start to adopt these innovative models that are uh, rapidly gaining traction around them, then they'll be left in the dust. Hello and welcome to HIMSCast. I'm Susan Morris, Executive Editor of Healthcare Finance News. We are here today with Zach Holdsworth. Welcome, Zach. Thanks for having me. Yeah, can you start, please, by introducing yourself and your company? Yeah, um, my name is Zach Holdsworth. I'm the uh, co-founder and CEO of Hint Health. Um, I, uh, we, we, my background is I'm, I'm from New Zealand. I have a background in engineering and consulting, but eventually became pretty passionate about um, kind of healthcare. And when I came to the States in about 2009, completed my MBA and after that jumped into health tech and have been in there ever since. And the, the business is founded on the premise that of the main reason the, the healthcare system is, is, is broken is because of all of the perverse incentives and the lack of price transparency and also the, just the tremendous administrative burden attributed to the, kind of the insurance fee-for-service chassis and all of the um, kind of innovation that sits on top of that chassis. And so at Hint, we have um, built a company kind of dedicated to supporting innovative models um, that are stepping outside that traditional fee-for-service infrastructure and um, really trying to restore the kind of patient-physician relationship and transform healthcare. And so we've built a company that's kind of started out by supporting the direct primary care movement um, with technology. And I'm happy to sh- kind of share what that technology is, but technology company focused on supporting direct primary care and the kind of providers um, that are that are scaling within that movement. Can you describe what direct primary care is? Yeah, absolutely. So direct primary care is instead of a insurance fee for service relationship within the context of primary care, um, your the, these these doctors and clinicians are charging a fixed monthly fee, either directly to the individual, the the um, you know consumer paying out of pocket, or to employers who are increasingly electing to put in place direct primary care type models. Um, but the idea is, is that you're, you know, you're essentially getting um, um, all of your primary care, urgent care, kind of virtual care needs for a simple monthly price point, anywhere from you know, 50 to $100 a month. The median in, um, in our data is about $65 a month for essentially unlimited access to primary care, telemedicine, urgent care. Um, and really, the, the the beauty of these models is that they um, they sort of get out of the way of the patient-physician relationship. They remove the perverse incentives. They eliminate the, the lack of price transparency. They bring that price transparency back, and they um, take away the administrative overhead of that again of that fee-for-service infrastructure, thereby leaving a um, the, the the physicians and the patients to um, interact in a way that makes sense. Do you also have contracts with hospitals who have employed physicians or is this directly with physician practices that are independent? The majority of our customers are independent. We have clients that range anywhere from one doctor all the way through yeah. to um, you know, large near-site or on-site clinic groups or large kind of advanced primary care organizations like such as Proactive MD, for example. We also have a handful of health systems that we're working with. So, um, but we're working with those health systems inside their direct primary care divisions. 
where they're actually standing up a direct primary care offering and taking it to their local communities or their local employee groups. And in those instances, we work with health systems, but, you know, but it's um, not, uh, you know, it's not, I'd say, a mainstream movement for health systems right now. I was going to ask, what is the benefit for health systems for doing this? If they do stand up a, a direct primary care faction? Yeah, I mean, the, the reality is, is that the, you know, the, the, the status quo payment models in healthcare are going to go away. Right, um, and so the question is not when, um, is not if, it's when. And so, if you're a health system and you want to start, um, well, a just enabling a really high, a, a really productive um, primary care offering within the community, then direct primary care is a great way to do that. But I'd say the health systems that we're working with see the writing on the wall, and that if they don't start to adopt these innovative models that are uh, rapidly gaining traction around them, then they'll be left in the dust. Um, and the, the sort of the classic innovators dilemma problem of often these health systems make all their money by having kind of somewhat, um, you know, uh, but, but by essentially generating large referral traffic into their high, high cost centers. And that's often where their profit margins come from. And a direct primary off offering will often, um, you know, somewhat reduce that because there's less of an incentive to make those referrals um, if they're not necessary. And so, yeah, so I think it's just the very most innovative health systems that are starting to adopt these models because they want to be, they don't want to be caught in the trap of being yeah. the innovators and the innovators dilemma trap. It, it, so it's definitely value-based care. It sounds like the early Kaiser Permanente model when they started out with direct contracting with the uh, workers out in California to pay them a certain amount a month and then they would get their care. And I, you brought up the question of, okay, what happens when your primary care doctor refers you to specialty care? Mm -hmm. Are they then covered under, under the traditional insurance model? Yeah, so, and just refer, just touching on the Kaiser model, yeah, the, the way I tend to think about it is, is you know, these um, direct primary care providers are a, in a way, you know, sort of a decentralized um, kind of local, uh, you know, somewhat local version of Kaiser within the context of primary care, but they don't have the full network behind them and the full system behind them. And so what we see is we see that, that, that our kind of long-term vision at Hint is actually to bring these concepts as price transparency, cash-based, pre-negotiated price transparent, open networks, to more than just primary care. And we're starting to see that pattern happen within our ecosystem. Um, but in the sort of short term, what's happening is, well, a number of things. In some cases, the doctors are um, just referring doubt back into the fee-for-service chassis, right, to the back mm -hmm. of the fee-for-service system. And often they'll play a somewhat of a care navigation role with, with, the, with the patient. They'll help the patient figure out how to navigate the system because it's mm -hmm. complicated. But we're also seeing um, uh, doctors and clinicians um, basically building uh, their own local networks where, for example, uh, you know, let's say the, the doctor has a relationship with a local lab, a uh, local imaging center, say, where they say, mm -hmm. hey, what's your cash rate for this type of x-ray? And let's say they come back and say it's $75 cash if you pay up front. Well, often what will happen is they'll work with that patient and say, listen, your deductible on your plan is, is thousands of dollars. 
Um, yeah. The out-of-pocket copay for this lab is, you know, thirty dollars or whatever it is, um, and your and the and the the the, um, the cost that's going to be built to insurance, so it's going to be coming out of your deductible, is one hundred and fifty dollars. So you're going to be out of pocket one hundred and seventy-five dollars. Would you rather we refer you through the insurance chassis, or do you just want to pay cash right now, and I'll get you booked in right now, and you can have that same service for seventy-five dollars cash? But it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Out. It's not going to hit your deductible. Right. Um, and so this is just one of many examples we're seeing in these communities where uh, where the doctors and, and the clinicians are really helping restructure the, the, these networks around their patient populations. And I see that trend. I see the long term vision is really an extension of that trend, where you know larger provider organisations are starting to do that. Employers are starting to demand, "Hey, can we rethink our direct contracting with?" specialists and imaging and labs and so on and so forth. And I, that's that's kind of where I see this heading. And if you think about it, we end up with is this, you know, it, you, know you, you can actually recreate the Kaiser model somewhat, but without the baggage of the fifth service chassis and not in a single big single centralized entity. It could be you know, local, healthcare is local. You can you could sort of recreate these some of these concepts locally. Um, and that's really actually the vision for Hint is to redesign the healthcare system to enable easy access to high quality, affordable care. Right. Um, should insurers be scared? They're being cut right out of this, aren't they? Yeah, I tend to think, yeah, I mean, they should be scared if they're not willing to innovate and continue to adapt. Okay. The way I tend to think about insurance companies is, you know, in a way that there are, I mean, I don't think anyone will argue with me that, you know, 80% of healthcare spend shouldn't probably be running through an insurance company. But there's no other industry where, you know, you know, my one of my favorite analogies would be, you know, if you were to go get an oil change, right? But you'd think it was absurd if someone was submitting a claim to get your oil changed, right? And so a lot of healthcare is kind of like the same as an oil change. It's predictable, um, you know, inexpensive, predictable yes. thing that you can afford, right? Um, so the way I tend to think about it is that long term, the insurance companies will morph more into channels, into sort of, uh, sort of that, 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 that they'll still have large populations that they look after, but their role will be, become less about paying claims and sort of managing risk and more about um, kind of helping, manage, you know, helping, helping large populations of people find the right type of care in more of a free market way. Um, and so in the, the, this idea that the, I don't see a world where in you know, a decade or so, the, the making most of your money from managing a network that's broken, that is re- increasing costs by 30, 50% and uh, causing uh, a bunch of perverse incentives in the network. I don't see that world existing in a decade, right? It'll, be, it'll look different. This has been a fascinating conversation, Zach. Um, I want to bring up one other thing, because sometimes when people hear direct primary care, they think about the recent CMS model that's now morphing into an ACO. I know that's different because it deals with Medicare and you're uh, working with employers. But can you talk about that? Why, you know, the difference between those two? Or, you know, does it have any bearing on what you do with direct primary care that CMS decided to, to fold up its own model? Yeah, I mean, we've been watching the, there was the, the direct contracting program now, I think it's ACO Reach. We've been keeping a close eye on it. Um, I'd say that 
there are for sure some similarities, um, you know, that they're, you know, paying more of a kind of a monthly fee, right, versus mm -hmm. a fee-for-service fee transaction. So there's some similarities there. Um, the, you know, the, they are giving the providers more, kind of empowering the providers more than, more similarly, kind of as a DPC doctor would, um, than say a traditional CMS program. Um, they're also, you know, enabling the, you know, patients also have that, the choice that they do in a DPC type model to pick their doctor. Uh, the way I tend to think about it is it's, it's a good thing. I, I think it's a, it's a good thing. Um, you know, we're, we're keeping track of it and it's, it's a step in the right direction, I think. But, um, the other thing that's interesting is, is that um, I think it's going to, to make more, um, more kind of traditional fee-for-service providers uh, more open to trying DPC um, because this program is more similar to it. So, so they can have a, a you know, they, they don't need to let go of their, 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 their Medicare patients per se while they start to adopt a DPC model, which historically that, you know, you're sort of somewhat forced to pick and choose. So I think this is good in that it, it creates a pathway for doctors to have a similar underlying model for their retail and employer patients and their Medicare patients without having to you know, drop out of Medicare. Um, and so, yeah, it's not perfect. Nothing's perfect, but it's a step in the right direction from my perspective. Yeah, we're going there. Watch in 10 years. Yep. A very interesting uh, uh, time right now. Um, and what do you see for growth for your company and, and how it's going? Yeah, I mean, we, 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 are, we grow as our community grows. Um, we are um, the sort of billing and eligibility management and payments infrastructure that sits under... Uh, these providers and you know uh, as they grow we grow um, I'd say the things we're definitely seeing an uptick in growth in the number of um, clinicians entering the space a number of organizations that are you know starting to adopt these types of models really interesting to see sort of virtual first care um, exploding and, and a lot of the time that's really just virtual DPC essentially Right. Mm -hmm. um, the near onsite clinic industry is increasingly moving towards a more DPC-like approach, uh, where they're a direct contract with the employer versus going through the, the traditional carrier. So that's a growth area for Hint. Again, we're seeing more and more health systems coming into the space. Again, it's not not a main major trend there right now, yeah. but definitely you know, the writing's on the wall. And I think in this independent clinicians, what we're seeing there is is that the barrier to entry of getting into DPC is increasingly dropping. And so more and more uh, uh, doctors are, are joining um, this movement. And then, yeah, we also recently um, launched, I think you actually covered this, we launched Hint Connect, which is really mm -hmm. an offering that is designed to help scale uh, larger employers get access to the DPC community in a way that's authentic to the DPC providers where they get to maintain the integrity of what they're doing, they get to maintain, continue to operate their business, while these larger employees can come, you know, essentially get access to them. So that's something that's also super interesting. I think it's a big growth area. Sounds like an exciting time. Thank you, Zach. It's been a pleasure having you on Hymnscast.